You're listening to the CCF Saturday Night Service Podcast. To connect with us, you may chat us at m.me slash elevatemain. We hope you enjoy today's talk. Now, as uh, we continue our series, you know, we're going through the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, 1 Corinthians is written by the Apostle Paul. And uh, I'm not sure if you've read it or if you've been joining us in the series. But if you've been joining us, if you read the entire book of 1 Corinthians, the more I realize personally, the more I study this, the more I realize that the church is really imperfect. Imperfect siya. That's why in the book of 1 Corinthians, you will see their disunity in the body of Christ. This was thousands of years ago in the early church. Until now, this unity is happening. There's, uh, 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 what do you call that? Fighting among each other. There's lawsuit. There's immorality. Hurting one another. The church is really imperfect. That's why tell your seatmate, kaya ka pala ganyan. Yeah, <laughs> because we're all imperfect. Now, the thing is, if some people, because they know the church is imperfect or, or because the church is imperfect, definitely we're going to get hurt, right? In the church, you're going to get disappointed. Uh, you will expect certain things and then it doesn't happen. You're going to get hurt. And some people, they decide just to leave the body of Christ, to leave the church. I realize that's not the solution, that's why Paul wrote 1 Corinthians, to tell the Christians that, hey, there's a solution when there are church problems. Church problems are not the end. In fact, wherever you go, whatever church you go to, whatever organization, it's imperfect. There are people who's going to disappoint you. There are people who's going to hurt you. So the solution is for us to grow in love. The solution is for us to act like Christ. The solution is for us to apply what Jesus has taught us. Some people, kasi, the reason why they go to church, maybe not you, but some people, the reason why they go to church is because they were forced by this person or they go to church for certain people. They don't go to church for God. If your reason to go to church is not because of God and not because of Jesus, you're not going to stay for long. Seriously, you're not going to stay for long. Kasi madi-disappoint ka. You're going to get hurt. There are people in the church, maybe church leaders, whom you expect na dapat ganito yan ha. Bait na hindi niya ginawa. Hindi ka lang pinansin ng isang usher na cute, magtatampo ka na. So that's why there's something wrong really with the body of Christ. But there's a solution for it. So I'm glad that we are studying the book of 1 Corinthians. Another thing that I realized that's wrong, and that's what we're going to look at today. Maybe when you were reading the passage, you're thinking, ano bang ibig sabihin? What does, what does this mean? What is Paul saying here in chapters 8 and chapters 9? Because it seems difficult to understand. And that's what we're going to try to look at or somehow understand today. Because the more I studied it, the more I realized it's applicable in our context today. Because sometimes the thing that's, uh, the, sometimes our problem as churchgoers is this. If you've been attending church, sometimes our tendency is to be more loving and gracious to non-Christians than those who are in the body of Christ. Sinong guilty dito? Wag na kayo magtas ng kamay. Diba? I believe most of us, if not all, we're guilty of being more gracious more loving to those na who doesn't believe in Jesus than to those who believe in Jesus. Kaya nga may mga term na, Christian ba yan? Ah, di ba? Attend, attend ng church, pero ganyan. Ayan. Look at your seatmate. Sinabi mo na ba sa kanya yun? Di ba? I believe we've said that many times, especially in the family. Ah, attend, attend, pray ka ng pray, ha? tapos ganyan ugali mo. Ayan. 
And that's what Paul is trying to deal with in chapters 8 and chapters 9. Because why is it sometimes it's hard to, you know, it's hard to love the body of Christ, the people in church. You know, here are some reasons why it's so hard to, somehow difficult to love the, those who are Christians. Some reasons why sometimes Christians are more difficult to love, because there are times we're judgmental. Right? We're judgmental. Nakita mo lang pumunta siya sa isang bar, yung pala na-invite sa party, ay wala na, addict na yan, nako, naglalasing na yan. Diba? We're sometimes judgmental. Or we're judgmental to some people na may nisabi lang silang ganito, you're judging them right away. Now, of course, if the judgment is true, then we need to repent. But sometimes, it's not true, and then we spread gossip, then we get hurt. Kaya may, ang hirap mahalin ng isang Christian eh. Sometimes someone, we're very argumentative. When I say very, when, when, when I say we are argumentative, ayaw mo magpatalo. When you discovered something, let's say you've read the scripture, ay, nabasa ko to. Wow, I understood the book of Job. I'm gonna share this to my D group. I know the meaning of this. And with our conviction, sometimes we fight other believers. And if they don't agree with us, we want to convince them and force them, you have to agree with me. We become argumentative and we ruin relationship. Nanalo ko nga sa conversation, nawalan ka naman ng kaibigan. Di ba may mga ganun eh? You won the conversation, you won the argument, but you lost a brother. The brother doesn't attend church anymore. The sister doesn't want to attend your small group anymore. Just because we become argumentative. Another one, why it's so difficult sometimes to love Christians, is we have high expectations. Feeling natin, because umaaten na sa CCF, sa church, ay, dapat perfect na yan. <laughs> Konting sin lang. Ako, na-disappoint na ako, ayoko na. Nasigawang ka lang ng konti. Ako, grabe, hindi na to Christian. Sumbong ko to kay pastor. <laughs> we have high expectations. Of course, it's important to model Christ-likeness. We want to model Christ-likeness, but it should be for us. Not pressuring others na, hey, you should be like this, you should be like that. God wants us to be gracious to one another. But to us, of course, this is the only person that you can control yourself. We are to grow in Christ-likeness. But let's be gracious to other people. So can you tell your seatmate, pagkilala niyo, sabihin mo, be gracious to me, please, okay? Be gracious. Sabihin mo, sabihin mo, ayan. Because we're all imperfect. We're all works in progress. We need to grow. We need to improve. Because if we live like this, nako. That's the reason why there's something wrong in the church. Because we have high expectations, we're argumentative, we're ju- judgmental, we lack integrity. Let's say you're teaching Bible, but you don't apply it. Now, it doesn't mean you don't teach anymore. Of course, it's equally important to teach and to apply. Some people kasi, this is how they think. Ah, since I'm not being a good model anymore, I'm not gonna teach na lang. I'm just gonna indulge in that sin of mine. No! It's equally important, teaching the Word of God, sharing the truth, and at the same time, applying it. If the problem is we're not applying it, then the solution is not to teach, but the solution is to apply it in our lives. But again, that's the problem why it's difficult to love Christians, because we lack integrity. We make promises, we say we're going to do this, we say we're going to change, we apologize, but we keep on apologizing because we keep on repeating the same mistakes. If I keep on saying sorry, I'm sorry nagawa ko na naman, I'm sorry nagawa ko na naman, right? And uso yan sa D-group. Kaya nga maraming nalilate, pero laging nalilate. 
Tapos ano na lang, laging sorry. Eh, yung mga D-group leaders, gracious yan. Ah, okay lang, okay lang. Pag pray ko na i-break ka ni Lord. Okay, hindi naman ganun. Okay, not all D-group leaders are like that. And then we hold grudges. Nagtatampo. We feel like uh, we deserve this. And if it, does, it was not given to us by some of our D-group members, some of our church members, we feel like uh, that, that person is bad. I don't want to talk to that person anymore. Diba? And I, sometimes I realize it's easier for some people to forgive the offense of non-believers than the offense of a Christian. Pag Christian, parang, hindi ko pa patawarin yan. Bakit? Hindi pa siya nagbabago. Ilang magbago siya, di ba? Pero yung non-Christian, mas naintindihan mo, ah, okay lang yan. Bakit ganun? So that's why this topic is so relevant to all of us. Look at Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 to 10. This is what the Apostle Paul wrote in another passage. He said, let us not lose heart in doing good. Because when we're serving in church, there is a tendency to lose heart. Meaning to say, napapagod ka na. I don't want to serve the people anymore. I don't want to, you know, do good and be kind to people. I don't want to do anything with church anymore. Kasi pare-pareho lang sila. Ganyan lang sila. That's not the solution. Look at what Paul is saying. Don't lose heart in doing good. For in due time, you will reap the harvest if we do not grow weary. Keep on doing what God wants you to do. Especially to who? Then while we have the opportunity, let's read verse 10. Let us do good to all people. Can you especially to those who are of the household of faith? To one another. Or oh, tell your seatmate, be good to me, ah. Libre mo kumamaya. Happy all in the body of Christ. That's our calling, especially if you're kind in your workplace, which is good. Be kind in the workplace. All the more be kind at church. All the more be kind in your small group. Do you know that that is the one that transformed the, 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 our, our world during the Roman Empire? The one that transformed the Roman Empire is the love of the Christians because they couldn't find that kind of love with other Romans, Roman citizens. Only amongst Christians, they found that kind of love. So we should show it to them that we love one another, especially, you know where? Online. (laughs) Because sad to say, a lot of Christians are fighting online, which the world is feasting on. And they're saying, oh, look at that. They say they're Christians, but they're fighting one another. That's why Jesus Christ said, we are to love one another so that Everyone will know that we are the disciples of Jesus. That's the key for people to know that we are really disciples of Jesus when we love one another. Look at this passage in 1 Peter chapter 5 because this is the key to love the body of Christ. We are all imperfect here and sometimes or a lot of times it's hard to show that love, to maintain that unity in the body of Christ. The key is humility. In 1 Peter chapter 5, they were also, they were also having problems during that time. They have concerns among each other. They were also being persecuted by the Roman Empire, by Nero. And here's what Peter told them. You younger men, likewise be subject to your elders. Eh, Peter, paano pag ayoko? And all of you, clothe yourself with? That's the key. Humility towards one another, for God is supposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then verse 6. Therefore, let's read this together. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. And as you humble yourself, I know what you're feeling because I felt that many times. Kawawa naman ako. Ako na lang nag-humble. Paano naman ako, Lord? Read verse 7. What does verse 7 say? 
Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So in other words, I'm humbling myself. Kawawa naman ako. I'll go to God, Lord, because you care for me. Meron taong that will care for you. You never lose when you humble yourself before the Lord. You never lose. On the contrary, that the world is saying you're losing when you humble yourself. That's why this is how we should respond in the body of Christ. If we're not going to respond in humility, we're not going to stay in church. We're not going to stay in the body of Christ. We're not going to maintain the love. We're not going to build the unity in the body of Christ. And one example or one practical thing as we exercise humility is our topic for today. Because I know most of you, if not all of you, have heard the topic of humility. Okay, I need to be humble. Okay, I'm going to do this. But how do I really exercise this, especially in the body of Christ, especially when, I've, when I'm dealing with people who are judgmental, argumentative, they have high expectations, there are people who, are, who have lack of integrity, and it's so difficult to love them, and they're part of the church, they're part of my D group, I am sitting beside them now. Sana hindi ganon. But let's just say, that's what's happening. How do I exercise humility? And this is our point for today. Because our message for today is, surrender your rights. Now tell your seatmate, what's our topic? Nako, in today's generation, when you say this, malian, Pastor Marty. What do you mean, surrender your rights? We are to fight for our rights. Diba? Whatever school you graduated from, majority of the college students would say, fight for your rights. In other places in the world, they will fight for their rights. But in the gospel, in the word of God, and the model of Jesus Christ, he asks us and tells us to surrender our rights. Why would we do this? It's counterintuitive. I think this is one of the hardest application of humility. It's easier to be patient. Sige, magiging patient ako. Being humble yon. It's easier to be kind. Sige, magiging kind ako sa'yo. But to surrender my rights? Meaning to say, ako yung tama, tapos, oh, I'm gonna let go of it? I mean to say, I'm gonna be the one to apologize even though you made the mistake? Ang hirap naman nun. Ang unfair naman ni God, di ba? And some people cannot, couldn't accept that. And if you're that person, that's why this message is very important. Because I want you to see how Paul did this. Because in chapters 8 and chapters 9, he explained this. But let me explain first, what do you mean when you say, surrender your rights? It doesn't mean na, wala ka ng rights talaga, okay? It doesn't mean na, if it's your right to, let's say, in a piece of property, hindi mo na ilalaban yon. you're not gonna go to the judge, or you're not gonna go to a legal court. I'm not saying that we don't fight for our rights completely, right? But there are situations, especially, especially uh, in the body of Christ, where God is, will tell us and will guide us and command us to surrender your rights. Here's the definition when, it say, when we say surrendering your rights. Surrendering our rights to God means that we are choosing to honor God in our response, in the body of Christ, even if it looks like we are on the losing end. Sino bang gusto na ako yung talo? Na I'm on the losing end. I don't want to feel that. Why would I do that? Because I want to honor God. And in what practical application should I do this? That's what we're going to learn today. Because to surrender your rights in chapters 8 and chapters 9, this is what Paul is saying. I'm going to surrender my rights when, when it comes to building others up. I'm going to surrender my rights when it comes to protect others, for them not to sin, 
for them not to fall into sin. I'm going to surrender my rights for the gospel so that the gospel, the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ, will be proclaimed and people will be saved. This is what we're going to learn in chapters 8 and chapters 9. And this message is really for all of us because it's so hard to surrender our rights. But when we see the beauty of this, how the Apostle Paul applied this, we will realize na ito pala ang gusto ni God. When I'm in church and I get disappointed, hindi dapat I'm just thinking of myself. I should think, how can I serve others? How can I show love? How can I respond in a way that God is honored? What's our message again? Surrender your rights. Again, tell your seatmate. One, two, three, go. Okay, what does that mean when you say surrender your rights? To build others up. Why is building others up very important? What's our problem? What's the opposite of that? This is the opposite of that that we're going to see in chapter 8. Sometimes, because of our God-given knowledge, we feel that we have the right to be right. The first time I finished reading the entire Bible... I was, I think, 16 years, uh, no, 15 years old. Alam mo yung parang ang proud, proud mo. Basa ko na. Yung buong Bible. And then, of course, other people doesn't know that. And then you will, enter, you will join your small group, attend the small group. And then you parang, ako na, basa ko na yan. Yung alam mo yung, there's that knowledge and empowerment that you feel. It's not just among Christians, ha? Even with other people. For example, you graduated with PhD or master's degree. Diba, you, you ha- we have this tendency to, you know, become proud and say to people, easy lang yan, PhD to. Diba? May ganun. Ay, nabasa ko na yan ilang beses. I've read that many times. I've attended at that school. Wherever you go, even in other countries, for example, in Singapore, there's that knowledge empowerment. If I know more, I should be in authority more. That's the world standards. And sad to say, it's being practiced sometimes at church. That's why the Apostle Paul said this. Now concerning things sacrificed to idols, I'm going to explain that later on. What does that mean? Because he shared a, an example, a problem in the church of Corinth about sacrificing to food that is sacrificed to idols and they eat it. So later I'm going to explain that. But what's his point here? We know that we all have knowledge. He's saying, you know these things already. You're Christians. You're, you know a lot. You've read a lot. You've realized this. God has revealed this to you. It's a God-given knowledge. But he made a warning. What's the warning? Knowledge makes arrogant. Meaning to say, if knowledge alone, there's a tendency to be pr- proud. If knowledge alone ang focus, the reason why you go to church is just to gain a lot of knowledge, gain a lot of knowledge, there's a tendency to be proud. But love edifies. I'm not saying knowledge is, is useless. No. Knowledge is important, but apart from love, it can be useless. That's why we need to use our knowledge backed up with the love of Christ. Some people that attend church because they know a lot already. Let's say they studied a lot of Bible study. They went through a lot of Bible school. You know, I graduated last 2019 with my master's in divinity in IGSL. But before I entered that school, somebody warned me or reminded me. That person said, Marty, before you enter this school, always remember that use knowledge wisely. Don't allow your knowledge, Bible knowledge, to make you proud. 
use that knowledge to help other people, to build other people. And it's stuck in my heart and mind. Because sometimes be, when you attend a Bible school, I'm not saying you don't attend a Bible school. Uh, let's say you studied a lot of stuff. You read a lot of stuff. You read a lot of commentary. It goes to your head and you become argumentative. It seems that you know it all and you don't want to listen to other people anymore. There's no building up. There's no unity and love. There's no trying to understand one another. Look at what Paul said in the next verse. If anyone supposes that he knows anything, he has not yet known as he ought to know. What he is saying is this. We don't know everything. Even if we read, okay, the commentary on the life of David, there are other, other things we don't know yet. That's why don't act as if you know everything. Let's be humble and let's surrender our rights. And look at what he says here. But if anyone, read verse 3, if anyone loves God, he's known by him. You know why he said that there? Because what's more important than knowledge is we grow in our love for God. We love God more because the more we love God, the more we will love other people. The more we love God, the more we know what to do with His knowledge. You know, sad to say, when I, sometimes when I look at social media online, and daming post ng mga bashing ng ganito, left and right, I know this, you have to do this. I really believe there's a better way to, to establish the unity in the body of Christ. There's a better way to have healthy conversation with one another rather than bashing people online. Not just when it comes to theology or when it comes to the Bible, even with other things. Nobody, it's, it's hard to accomplish unity if we keep on fighting online. Or even offline in your D group, it's better to have healthy conversation and always back up your knowledge with love. What's our message again? Surrender your rights to God. Surrender your rights. So how do we honor God with our God-given knowledge? Here's how I apply it in my life. Because let's say, tama ka talaga. you're in the right your knowledge is really the right knowledge. It's really biblical. God has revealed it to you. How do you do it? You apply it in three ways. To those who will listen, you teach it. Of course, you teach the truth because that's the truth. We don't hide it. We need to teach it to others so that others will grow. That's why we preach the word of God. We lead small group. When, we, when something is revealed to us by the Holy Spirit, by God, and it's according to his word, definitely we share it to others. But not everyone agrees with you. Can you ask your seatmate, do you always agree with me? Go, tanong mo. Siyempre, hindi. before you went here, nag-away kayo, sanday kakain mamaya. Sa Jollibee sa McDo. Sa KFC. Bakit doon? Sa pagkain lang, nag-away Right? So you teach it, definitely you teach the truth. But, to those who will argue, because there are people that, ah, you know, I don't, uh, I don't really believe what you're saying. And they will argue with you. And they're willing to discuss. And that's good if they're willing to discuss. Seek to understand. Bakit? How come they're arguing with me? Where are they coming from? You know, before, I think after, when, when I, while I was studying in IJSL and taking up my master's degree, I, I established certain biblical convictions. And before, I was hard on these biblical convictions. For me, ito lang yung tama. I don't want to understand them. I don't want to agree with them. For example, I, sometimes I don't agree with people, Christians from the charismatic world. 
It doesn't mean that they're not Christians, but I don't agree with some of their convictions. So there was a conference that I went to. It was me and some of our youth leaders. And most of the leaders in that conference were charismatic. Pentecostal, they speak in tongues and those things. And before I was hesitant, ah, why am I part of this? This is not my conviction. I have a different conviction. But I realized, because I studied also their conviction. I may not agree with them, but I realized that, you know, they have some biblical stand when it comes to that. But the more I tried to have that conversation with them, the more I realized, a Christian to mga to. Because before I was judging them, ah, baka hindi to Christian. And God really rebuked me because they share the gospel more. They love Christians more. They don't fight back when people bash them online. Sabi ko, parang ako yung mas manli dito ah. The more I seek to understand, the more I realize that God has placed them in that specific position to reach also others for Jesus. Because what's important is the gospel. What's important is Jesus. What's important is he is king, he is God. He wants to unite his body. Regardless if we have differences in certain convictions that are not to die for. Of course, there are convictions to die for. But there are convictions that are not to die for and we are to seek to understand. And then for those who will disagree with you, because as you have that conversation, some people will disagree with you. I don't agree with you in that matter. I don't agree with you in that area. What do you do? You learn to be? gracious ka. Don't cancel them. Alam mo, kahit sa body of Christ, kinakancel natin bawat isa. We cancel each other. Ayoko na yan, hindi ko na kakausapin yan. Ay, wala, hindi ko na papansinin yan. Ay, huwag ka makinig dyan. Yan. We cancel one another. And I'm guilty with that sometimes. And that's why this message is also for me because I realize, oh nga no, with my God-given wisdom, I need to exercise surrendering my rights, especially when it comes to building others up. Because sometimes, because of our knowledge, we want to pressure other people. And the more we pressure them, we tear them down. And not just them, the effect is other people. Some people, they leave church because of that. Masyadong makulit to si pastor eh. Masyadong makulit yung D-group leader ko. Finoforce niya na maniwala ako sa ganito. Right? Even though this is, I also study this. This is my conviction as of the moment. Let's learn to be gracious to one another. What's our message again? Surrender your... Right. So, okay, let's continue with the verse. That's why, look, look, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Meaning to say, I have this spiritual gift and I practice this, pero walang love. It doesn't make sense. Look at the next one. If I have the gift of prophecy, I know all mysteries. Ang galing mo. Pagdating sa counseling, alam mo kaagad yung solution. You know all knowledge. Pag sinabi sa iyo, saan ng John 3.16, alam ko yung page na yan. Pati page, alam mo. <laughs> right? Ano yung shortest verse? Ah, John 11.35, Jesus wept. Oh, di ba? Ang galing eh. <laughs> you have all of this knowledge. And if I have all faith, grabe yung faith mo, may sakit, may mga challenges ka, hindi ako I trust the Lord. Right? But as to remove mountains, but do not have love. Ano sabi ni Paul? I am? Grabe description. No? I am nothing. Nag-aral ako sa Bible school, does I am nothing? Ayan, no? That's the effect without love. 
And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, oh, very generous ka, libre ka ng libre. Actually, loving nga yun, di ba? Libre ka ng libre. But if I surrender my body to be bur- burned, but you do not do it out of love. It's just out of your selfish desire to be uplifted, to be recognized as someone, wow, ang bait mo. It profits me nothing. And then he said, love is patient, love is kind. That's the that's that chapter, chapter on love. But he describes first how important love is in all of the skills and giftedness that God will give us, whether knowledge, whether prophecy, whether tongues, whatever gifts, spiritual gifts we have, it should always be backed up by love to build the body of Christ. And even in James, we have knowledge, we're, we are wise. Look at how James described wisdom. Who among you is wise in understanding? Can you ask your seatmate, are you wise? Go. Now, natin, Look at the test of wisdom. Let him show by his perfect score in the exam. Attended GLC and finished one to four in one month. Wala. I'm not saying that's not important. Gagalit saan si Ate Ching. No. Important that we study the Word of God. Again, what I'm saying here, important ang Word of God. We study it. We gain knowledge, definitely. But always backed it up with love. Because when we have knowledge backed up of love, then there's going to be good behavior. That's always the impact of God's knowledge in our lives. It's going to give us good behavior. Sabio, let him show your wisdom by your good behavior, by his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy, if there is selfish ambition, ako yung tama, ako yung may pinag-aralan, I've studied this and read this, I've read all of these commentaries, I'm following this preacher online, na ang galing-galing. Right? And sometimes that's our idol na, whoever that preacher is online in the U.S., studied many things. But do not be arrogant, lie against the truth. This wisdom is not that which comes down from above, but is, tinamay description ng wisdom niyan. It's earthly, it's natural and, ayoko naman ng ganyang wisdom. Earthly, natural, demonic. Huwag naman ganun yung description. Pero why is James saying this? For where jealousy, selfish ambition exists, there is disorder and evil thing. If wisdom and knowledge is exercised in the wrong way, you'll see the effect of it. There is definitely disorder. There's conflict. There's strife. Instead of building each other up, we're tearing each other down. But the wisdom from above is pure. My, the motive, the heart is pure. It's peaceable. You're not going to argue till you fight and hurt one another. You're going to maintain the peace. Okay, he doesn't agree with me now. And here's the thing. If certain people, let's say you're in the right, you have the right theology already. And some people doesn't believe. The more you argue, the more you turn off. Yan. But the more you show peace the more the person will realize, maybe what he's saying is right. Because only God can change them, not you. Not your knowledge. Not how good you are in winning arguments. That's not going to change people. The only thing that can change people, the only power that can change people is the power of God. That's why be peaceable, be gentle, be reasonable, be full of mercy, good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. And then the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Yun talaga Jesus in the body of Christ, that there's peace. 
that we love one another, that we maintain the unity. Look at this statement. Our knowledge of God should transform us and help others become more like Christ. I've heard many times already certain people coming up to me and, tell, and asking me or telling me, you know, Pastor Marty, I really want deeper stuff to have a deeper understanding of God's word. And I said, that's good. But you know what? The deeper understanding of God's word will be seen if your life is transformed. It's not when you memorize so many verses. And I'm not saying you don't memorize verses. Go ahead, memorize verses. But the deeper, deeper things in the word of God is seen in our transformed lives. Pag walang transformed lives, useless yung pag-study nyo. Because that's the reason why we study God's Word. That's the reason why we go to church. That's the reason why we're in a small group. And that's the reason why we teach others to help others become more like Christ. So what's our message again? Surrender your rights. Again, tell your seedmate. One, three, go. All right. So surrendering your rights so that we can build others up is very important. We surrender our rights so that we protect others. Now, what does that mean that we are to protect others? Sometimes kasi because we are, you know, we're mature Christians already. We've been a Christian for a long time. We know a lot of stuff. We can control, we, you know, we can fight temptation more powerfully or we have more strength to fight temptation. Sometimes this is our problem. Because of our maturity in Christ, we feel like we have the right to do things that are not necessarily sinful, but questionable. Like what, Master Marty? For example, especially in our context, drinking alcoholic drinks. I mean, that's, it's not sinful to drink alcoholic drinks, but it's sinful to get drunk. It's in the Bible. They drink wine there, right? Jesus drank wine. The, the disciples drank wine. So kung nandito sila ngayong time, ay, umiinom ka ng wine ako, di ka na Christian. <laughs> and some people are like that. I grew up uh, having that mindset before. Nah, and by God's grace, God spared me from being, you know, addicted to alcoholic drinks because I don't like drinking. So by God's grace, I don't like drinking alcoholic drinks. But I had that mindset pag umiinom ka ng alcoholic drinks, nako, sin yan, masama yan. Nako, kaya nga yan parang mainit kasi nasusunog ka. And then, <laughs> so for example, going as inside the bar, to eat with friends. I also had that conviction before. bar. But then I went to another country. I think we had our honeymoon and ang wife ko sa UK. And meron sa UK called pub. It's a pub. Kasama yung kids. It's a bar na you eat food there during lunchtime. And then the parents, they drink beer. And then the kids are there playing around. There's even like a place where they can play. Sabi ko, bakit? Because in their culture, it's not sinful. In fact, when we were uh, at, we attended a conference also in Germany, the pastors there, after they preach, they drink beer. But they don't get drunk, okay? They drink beer. In fact, the youth pastors, when we met together, after, the con- after the, one of the sessions, we went outside and we, we went to a pub. And then we ordered beer. I don't really drink. It's a lighter one. Because I really don't like so even the lighter one, I don't like the taste. And I told them, we don't take a, I take a picture, but don't post it online. Ha. Don't tag me when you post it online. Ha. Because when people see it, ako, the youth will say, oh, tinamo si Pastor Marty, oh, umiinom na, wala na, las, lasenggo na yan. So, it's a, th- that's what people would do, right? So, 
it's not necessarily sinful, but again, it's questionable. For example, photo inside the casino. When me and my wife went to Las Vegas, and we, we took a picture with the slot machine and this on the, in the background, but we didn't post it. Because we know how some people would think, if you post that, how can you do this to Pastor Marty? Pastor Marty? Siguro nanalo yan. <laughs> so, <laughs> ang hiram talaga sometimes. Right? And then being alone in a car with the opposite sex, uh, it's not sinful to be in alone with a car. Let's say, hinatid mo lang. But again, it can be dangerous. It can be questionable. And in the case during the, in Corinth, you know what their problem was? Eating food offered to idols. What's the problem with that? I'll explain to you. So let's look at verse 8, verses 4 onwards. Therefore, so he went back to his original topic in chapter 8. Concerning the eating of things sacrificed to idols. Here's the background here. The culture of the people in Corinth, they had many idols. And one of their practice to worship their idols is they're going to offer or dedicate the food. Let's say steak, usually meat. Mitsa. So here's the meat, they cooked it already, and they will offer it to the food. But they will eat it. They're not going to leave it there. Sometimes they leave it there, but most of the times they're going to, after offering it to the food, parang thanking the idol for the food. They're going to offer the food and they're going to eat the food. So that was their normal practice to worship their idols, false gods. So what is Paul saying here? Concerning the eating of things sacrificed to idols, we know, meaning to say the Christians there in Corinth, they know already that there is no such thing as an idol in the world. Meaning to say all of these idols that the the people in Corinth, the non-believers are worshiping, they're not real. They're not true. There's no God but one, only God. For even if there are so-called gods, whether in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, yet for us, meaning to say we know the truth, the truth is there is one God, Father, whom from all things are, uh, and we exist for him, and we have one Lord, his Son, Jesus Christ, by whom all are all things, and we exist through him. So they know the truth, the very important truth about the Trinity, about Jesus, about God the Father, God the Son, and of course the Spirit of God. So they know this already. So what Paul is trying to point here is this. It's not sinful. You're not sinning when you eat the meat. Because you're Christians already. You're not, for example, somebody, you're invited to a, someone who is a pagan, who's worshiping an idol, and he offered the steak to the idol, and he offered the food to you. You can eat that. That's what Paul is saying. It's okay to eat that. But look at what he said afterwards. He said, however, let's read the next line, not all men have this knowledge. Hindi lahat ganon. Especially those who are new to their faith. Because some of them just became a Christian recently. They came to know Jesus. They were accustomed. Look at, look at what he's saying here. Being accustomed to the idol until now. Meaning to say, they just came to know the Lord. That was their practice before. And up to today, they go to church. They're part of the body of Christ. But in their mind, if a food is offered to an idol, it's like they're worshiping the idol. And they, they, before that time, they don't want to eat it because they feel guilty. But if they see you eat it, they're going to stumble. Look at this. Oh. And, and eat food as if it were sac- sacrificed to an idol, and their conscience being weak is defiled. Meaning, say, pag may sinama ka first-timer, or just recent convert, and then you ate that food offered to idols. And for you, I'm not sinning. But for this brother of yours, Ay, ba't niya ginawa yun? He worships the same idol? Ay, okay lang pala yun. He might go back. 
to his old idol. But food will not commend us to God. Meaning to say, food is nothing. We are neither the worse if we do not eat, nor the better if we do not eat. We know that. But take, look at verse 9, care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. In other words, we're not going to act, use our freedom irresponsibly that other people will stumble. For example, drinking alcoholic drinks. It's not sinful to do that. But if someone in your group will stumble with what you're doing, then I advise don't do that anymore. Right? Because that will cause someone to stumble. That will cause someone to say na, ay, okay lang pala yun. Eh, he's struggling with alcoholic drinks. The more that he's gonna struggle because his leader, his pastor, is also doing it. That's what Paul is saying here. Look at the next verse. If someone sees you who have knowledge dining in an idol's temple, will not his conscience, if he's weak, be strengthened to eat things sacrificed to idol? Meaning to say, weak na conscience niya, he will go back to eating sacrificed to idols and he's saying I'm doing this for that idol that's what he's saying here for through your knowledge he who is weak is tell me description grab in description that's why we need to be careful I think this is one of the hardest passages in chapter in the book of first Corinthians one of the harder passages here to apply because we're growing in the Lord we know it's not wrong you mean to say I'm gonna adjust because some people might stumble because they're new to their faith. That's what Paul is saying here. Does it mean that you're not gonna, you can't eat meat anymore? That's not what Paul is saying here. Look at the next part. And so by sinning against the brethren, wounding their conscience when it is weak, kanino ka daw nag-sin? You sin against Christ. Ano ba yan? I'm not getting drunk, but I'm sinning against Christ because someone stumbled. Therefore, if food causes my brother to stumble, look at the conviction of Paul. I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause my brother to stumble. I don't think Paul never ate meat again. But I believe what he's saying here, for the sake of my brothers and sisters in Christ who are new to their faith, I'm going to be careful with my liberty. Because I don't want to cause them to stumble. That's why, look at this. To protect my brothers and sisters in Christ, in questionable places and actions, others may, but I may not. I believe that conviction is powerful. It will help us protect others. And this is hard because it's my right. Minsan nga lang ako magwine. Tapos may magsustumble pa, Pastor Marty, bakit ganon? Others may, but I may not. I'm not saying you can't drink any more wine. I'm not saying that you can't be invited to a bar, pag birthday party. No, but be careful. Now, let's say nagstumble na, and you don't know that that person stumbled because of what you did. What are you gonna do now? Because you're innocent. You didn't know that he gets stumbled with that thing. This is the passage for that. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in a trespass, you who are spiritual mature, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness is still be there each one looking to yourself so that you too will not be tempted and then verse 2 bear one another's burden and thereby fulfill the law of Christ if someone stumbled you know the best way to do that to talk to that person you apologize 
you explain why you did it so that the person will also understand Now you're not sinning anymore when you do these things because the person will grow even more in their knowledge and their love for Christ. But do it with gentleness. Wag yung, ay, ang judgmental mo, ah. Bago-bago ka palang Christian, ganyan ang treatment mo sa akin. Di ba? Wag ganun. Let's be gentle. Let's try to understand where they're coming from. That's what Paul is saying in 1 Corinthians. He wants the people to realize there are many new believers in the church of Corinth. And a lot of them came from a pagan background. If we're not careful, they're all going to go back to the pagan ways. So let's be careful how we live our lives. What's our message again? Surrender your rights. Again, tell your seatmate. One, three, go. Surrender your rights. Surrender your rights to build others up. Okay, Lord, I'm, I know I have a right because of what I know. But if it doesn't build others up, I'm going to surrender my rights. I'm going to do it your way to honor you. I know I like doing certain things that are not necessarily sinful, but sometimes it's questionable to protect the brethren. Others may, but I may not. And finally, I'm going to surrender my rights for the gospel because I want to do everything that I can to spread the good news of Jesus. Sometimes, here's our problem. Why do we need to surrender our rights? Because of our service to God, we feel that we have the right to be honored. Sometimes we go to church to lead a small group for our prestige and honor, not really because we want to proclaim the gospel. Sometimes we want to serve so that people will notice us. And when people notice us, ay, magaling to. And we have a good image. It's not for our image, that's why you serve in church. It's not for your honor, that's why you share the gospel. It's not for your prestige, that's why you serve. It's all for the gospel and for Jesus Christ. What do I mean by that? Look at chapter 9. Because in chapter 9, the first part, it seems like may pinapatamaan si Paul. But that's not his point. Look at what he says here. Am I not free? Look at what he says here. Look at, look at how he wrote this. Am I not an apostle? You know why he's saying this? Because there's a group of people in the church of Corinth, hindi bilib kay Paul. They don't even acknowledge Paul as an apostle. You're not an apostle. Only Peter, Cephas is an apostle. Uh, only John, James, the others. But you, no, you're not an apostle. And they spread that news to other people. So for Paul, he's not affected. Look at what he say. I, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord? Because he saw the Lord, he, the blinding light in Acts chapter 9. Are you not my work in the Lord? Meaning you say, because of what I do, you're the result. You came to know Jesus. If to others I'm not an apostle, it's okay. At least I am to you. You are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. He's not affected by that. And later on, he's going to explain why he's saying these things. Look at the next verses. My defense to those who examine me is this. Sometimes it's hard not to be part of the church because there are people who will question you. Why do you do that? Why are you like that? So a lot of people were questioning him. And he wanted to defend himself in a gentle way. Look at what he said. Do we not have a right to eat and drink? Do we not have a right to take along a believing wife? He has a point here. Even as the rest of the apostles and the brothers of the Lord and Cephas, or do only Barnabas and I not have a right to refrain from working? What is his point here? Here's the point. Who at any time serves as a soldier at his own expense? May kilala ka naman ng soldier na hindi sinusweldo ng government and nag-decide lang siya, punta ang army, pero at my own expense, kahit mamamatay ako. 
Nobody would do that. Ang weird nun. You want to be paid. That's why you want to go to the army because there are benefits. There are privileges. And sometimes you do it to help the country, but you don't do it to, you know, shell out your own money. Look at the next one. Who plants a vineyard and does not eat the fruit of it? You plant the vineyard, you also want to benefit from it. Who tends a flock and does not use the milk of the flock? Of course you're going to do that. That's your business. You want to benefit from it. I am not speaking these things according to human judgment. Meaning to say, this is not his own idea only. In the scripture, the law also says these things. For it is written, the law of Moses, verse 9, you shall not muzzle the ox while he is... This is the picture. Before... They will use the ox to thresh the field for the crops. And sometimes certain people would muzzle, cover the mouth of the ox so that they won't eat the crops. And what God is saying here through the Apostle Paul, especially in the context of the church, if they are serving in the church, they should also benefit. Now, Paul is, hindi siya nagpaparinig dito. Kasi parang ang dating, uy, parang nagpaparinig dito si Paul, ha? nabigyan niyo siya ng sweldo, bigyan niyo naman siya ng money. Hindi po kami nagpaparinig dito, binabasa ko lang scripture, baka sabihin niyo, ay, kailangan magbigay sa church. No, 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 that's not what his point here. Look at what he's saying here. If we sowed spiritual things in you, is it too much if we reap material things from you? Because it's not wrong also. Why? If others share the right over you, do we not have more right? Meaning to say, that's his right to get something from you because he's serving you. But look at what he says. Let's read verse 12. Nevertheless, we did not, let's read this together. We did not use this right. We endure all things so that we will cause no hindrance to the gospel of Christ. He was not being paid by the church of Corinth. He didn't ask money from the church of Corinth. Hindi rin siya nagpaparinig. But he had a point here, that he's serving for God. Not for money, not for prestige, not so that he can get the support. And hindi rin siya because the Christians in that place knew that the, the worker deserves their wages. He was not being paid, but he's doing it for the gospel. Do you not know that those who perform sacred services eat food at the temple? So also, verse 14, the Lord directed those who proclaim the gospel to what? Get their living for the gospel. Meaning to say, this is God's heart also. But He's not lording it to the people. And look at what He says. I have used none of these things. I am not writing. Inexplain pa niya kasi parang ang dating paparinig to si Paul. Again, I just want to clarify. Hindi nagpaparinig si Paul. You can ask him in heaven. When you see him, Paul, ano bang meaning nito? Nagpaparinig ka, no? Aminin mo na. Don't lie, okay? Hindi po siya nagpaparinig. He wa- he, that's his point here. And you know why I believe he, he, he's, not, you know, he's not saying this just to convict the people? Because in his life, we can see he did everything for the gospel. In his life, he died for the gospel. He died preaching the gospel. It was okay for him to go to Caesar, to be in prison. It was okay for him to be shipwrecked many times, to be beaten many times, not to eat for several days. It was okay for him. So dun palang is proof that he's not doing these things for money. Because the sad reality is there are people that they preach just for money. Some of us have experienced that. Means sense a bus. Diba, we hear people, ah, I'm going to share the good news, pero magbigay kayo. Diba? 
But we don't do it here. Imagine if we do it here. Okay, can you give the offering? Give it to anyone? But but Thank you for giving. Now you will all be saved. That's crazy. But certain people, they do that. That's why the prosperity gospel is dangerous. To do it just for money. We're not doing it for money. That's why in CCF, we have people who serve, even though they're not being paid. In Elevate, we recently had our full-time workers summit around 200, almost 300 workers. Half of those are raising their funds. They're raising support. They're missionaries. Half of those are lay volunteers, meaning to say they're like campus missionaries, but they have their own job. They have their own business. They have their own work. They're being paid by another company, but they use their time and their free time to go to the campus, share the gospel. CCF started because of that model. Imagine we have thousands of small group leaders, over 100,000 members, but we only have a few staff. Even our senior pastor is not being paid because he has his own business. A lot of our, all our elders are not being paid. They have their own business. Some of our pastors in the satellites, they're not being paid by CCF. They're serving. But it doesn't mean it's wrong to be paid by the church. What I'm saying here and what Paul is saying here is that we do it not for the money, not for the prestige, but for the Lord. That's why he says, for it would be better for me to die than have any man make my boast an empty one. What is Paul saying here? God desires for his church to support his workers. Paul is not after the support nor the prestige of being God's worker. Paul is doing God's work for for God's glory. And then look at this. Why does he preach the gospel? Because I am under compulsion. I'm going to preach the gospel. Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. I do this voluntarily. I have a reward. But if it is against my will, I have a stewardship entrusted to me. God has placed this under my care. What is the reward? That when I preach the gospel, I may offer the gospel without charge. Hindi siya nagpapabayad. Imagine if in the welcome center, somebody shared about Jesus to you. And then when you prayed to receive Jesus, sabi ng sharer, 500 lang po ha. Diba? What if gano? Nasave ka, diba? 500 lang. Mura lang ang salvation mo. We don't do that. You know, I preach the gospel, I offer it without charge because so as not to make the full use of my right in the gospel. You know, a genuine understanding of the gospel of Jesus will move us to proclaim it to others because we were transformed. Now, we asked one of our campus missionaries to share her story, how God transformed her life because of the gospel of Jesus, in spite of all her broken past, how God healed her, and how he's used, she's using her life to be a blessing to others. Let's all welcome Andrea Maralit. I grew up with an abusive father. He beat us up at night when he was drunk and shouted at us in the morning. When I was in first grade, my parents had a huge fight that led my mom to leave him, taking me and my three siblings with her. It was the saddest moment of my childhood. Because of this, I developed bitterness towards my dad and resented him for not being a responsible father. Together with my mom, we started a new life without him. My mom worked so hard to provide for all our needs, including sending all of us children to school. Growing up, I had a distorted view of God. Because of what happened to my family, 
I saw God as someone who abandoned us and didn't care for us. I didn't even know if he was real or not. In 2006, my mom brought us with her to CCF. She encouraged us to join the youth ministry called Jason, now Elevate. I attended my first True Life retreat in 2010, and there I had an overwhelming encounter with God. I realized I was a sinner who needed His abundant grace. In that retreat, God revealed Himself to me as my Heavenly Father, a Father who has loved me unconditionally, the Father I had been longing to have. I surrendered my whole life to God that weekend and committed to give my life in service for His kingdom. It wasn't an easy journey. I needed to let go of my bitterness, resentment towards my dad, my pride, insecurities, anger, and past hurts. I needed to accept that I can no longer change what happened in the past. On the last day of that retreat, I chose to forgive my dad, and miraculously, all the bitterness turned into a compassion for him. I began praying for the opportunity to be reconciled to him so that I can share the same love God showed me. God was also working in my family. All of us were growing in our relationship with him. We started serving actively in various ministries in CCF. Even started our own discipleship group. God also blessed us with a comfortable life. We were enrolled in a private school. We had our own family car and a good place to live. But God began to test our faith. In a span of three years, all of these sources of comfort were taken away from us. My mom had a difficult time providing for our needs in the years after that. As our family problems began to pile up again, I began to question God. Just when things were going well, how can God allow this to happen? Disheartened by our situation, I detached myself from the church community and lost accountability with my small group leader, thinking that she could never understand our situation anyway. Instead, I sought acceptance from friends and entered a wrong relationship. My ex-boyfriend and I started to compromise our purity and committed sexual immorality, a sin I never imagined I would do. But God did not allow me to continue this destructive path. The Holy Spirit strongly convicted me as I realized the gravity of my sins. I ended that relationship and went back to God. As I sought God every day, I found healing in the story of David. He repented from his sins and was called a man after God's own heart. And I wanted the same thing for my life. I knew that part of God's restoration is for me to confess my sin to my family and to my D group. I was afraid of what they would say, but God gave me the courage to do it. I could not believe their gracious reaction towards me. They forgave, accepted, and loved me unconditionally. And through enough, God used my family, my D group, and church community to help me recover and heal. As my mom continued to struggle to make ends meet, I volunteered to stop schooling and was in the middle of college that time, and I was unsure if I'd ever be able to finish college. I was tempted to feel discouraged again, but this time, I was determined to persevere like David. I took free classes in TESDA so that I can work afterwards 
to help support my family. I use this time to serve God again by starting a small Bible study in Tesda. Sharing him to others brought me back to my calling as a discipler, slowly but surely. I went back serving him again in the youth ministry where God first met me. After three years, when all my siblings have graduated from college, God allowed me to go back to school and finish my degree in college. God gave me the strength to excel in my academics, work as a student, and to serve through ministry, through campus ministry of Elevate TIP. Before I left my school, I shared the gospel from one classroom to another, reaching out to my classmates and professors. As I experienced the joy of serving God in the campus, he impressed in my heart to apply as a campus missionary after I graduated. By God's grace, this is my third year serving him full-time in Elevate North Edsa. <laughs> Praise God. As for my dad, God opened doors for me to minister to him by visiting him from time to time and celebrate birthdays and other occasions with him. Although he still refuses to go to church with us, I believe that just as God has been patient and gracious to me, I will not give up reaching out to him and loving him unconditionally. I am Andrea Maralit, a once and controlled by bitterness, but now filled and controlled by the love of God. Why don't we pray for Andrea, for Ada. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for how you've transformed her life. And because of that transformation, she wants to help others experience your transforming power. So Lord, continue to protect her, continue to use her, direct her steps, Lord Jesus. I pray for her family, especially her dad, Lord, to know you as his personal Lord and Savior. Thank you again for using her as a campus missionary. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. But anyway, so just, just like that example, we're about to end, but just like that example, once you understand fully yung gospel, what Jesus Christ did for you, how he transformed your life, he died for you, the response is to proclaim it to other people. Look at what Paul did. I, though I am free from all men, I have made myself a slave to all men so that I will win more, that's his goal. To the Jews, I became a Jew, so that I may win, win the Jews to those under the law, so as under the law, though not being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law, to those who are without the law as without the law, those who are being without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, so that I might win those who are without the law. What is he saying here? To the weak, I became a weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men so that may by so that I may by all means save some. It doesn't mean that he's gonna compromise. It just means that he will do everything that he can do to help people come to know Jesus. I do all things for the sake of the gospel so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. It's just like what he said in Romans. Why? Why is telling people about Jesus very important in our mission in life? Because Paul was not ashamed of the gospel. What is the gospel? It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. That's the only way that they will know Jesus when we tell them about Jesus. But that's not gonna happen if we don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. That's why we surrender our rights to our Lord.
Why? Why do we do it? To build others up. Why do we do it? To protect others. Why do we do it? For the gospel. I'll end with this story. Two years after the sinking of the Titanic, there was this ship called the Empress of Ireland. In May 29, uh, 1914, uh, the ship left from Canada going to London, carrying with it around 1,000, maybe 1,500, 1,600 passengers. And then I think a few hours after he left, it left Canada, another ship named Storstad hit the ship on the side, and after 14 minutes, it sank, killing over 1,000 people. Only 465 survived in this massive ship. Now, when they counted the survivors, uh, they, up among, the surv- among the people in the ship were 170 uh, Salvation Army Christian leaders, among the, those people who are on the ship. Now, surprisingly, the 170 Salvation Army Christian leaders, the place where they stayed were near the life vest area. So they all got life vests. But after the ship sank and they counted all the survivors, they noticed that only a few Salvation Army Christian students lived. Only a few survived. So they were wondering, I thought they had the life vest already. They have the life jacket. What happened? And then one by one, the survivors shared the story. One after the other. Some of them were eyewitnesses of what happened. Some of them personal experience. So they shared, they said, you know, there was this young man. He was wearing a life jacket swimming in the freezing ocean. And then he took his life jacket and he gave it to me. And afterwards, he just left and he went to different places and he would look for people to share Jesus to them. Basically, the, each of this Salvation Army young Christian would approach someone and would ask the person, do you know Jesus? And then the, they would lead the person to Christ. Pray with them. Until they are so cold already that they couldn't swim, they will drown. There was even one story of this big man and there's this 19-year-old girl from the Salvation Army team who saw the man and he remo- she removed her life jacket, gave it to the man. And then the man felt guilty because I'm a big guy and here's this girl giving the life jacket to me. So, so he threw the life jacket back. And then the lady kept on, kept on insisting, no, 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 you have to have this. Do you know Jesus? And the man said, no, I don't know Jesus. I know Jesus. I'm not afraid to die. You don't know Jesus. You need to live. And afterwards, while sharing the story, this big man started crying because he realized he was saved twice. Saved from the freezing water and saved from his sin because he gave his life to Jesus. Why am I sharing this story? Because these young men and women gave their lives to give their all for the sake of the gospel. That's what it does to you when you understand the love of Jesus. It doesn't mean that all of you will drown by sharing the gospel. No, but we do everything we can so that people will know the Lord. That's what it does to you when you understand the love of God. If you understand how much God loves you, you will love others and you will tell them about Jesus. If you understand how much God loves you, you will repent from your sin, turn away from evil and follow Him and serve Him and His people. 
You know, the one who started Salvation Army, his name is William Booth. And he often say this to the Salvation Army students. He said, salvation, which does not lead to serving others, is not salvation at all. Most of us here, we've experienced the salvation of Jesus. We've experienced His love. So let's surrender our rights to Him. Let's live for Him. Let's serve Him alone. Honor Him. Even though it's hard at times, but let's li- build each other up. Let's protect one another. And for the sake of the gospel, let's do everything that we can. Can we all bow down our heads? Can you close your eyes? And I want to pray for everyone here, especially first and foremost for the people who are here who haven't received Jesus in their hearts. You don't know if you're going to be saved, but you know about Jesus. You've heard His love. And I believe what Jesus is telling you tonight is to humble yourself, to give your life to Him. You can do this by praying this prayer. If you're that person, just pray this prayer from your heart. Say, Jesus, I'm sorry for all my sins. Thank you for dying at the cross for my sins and for living and rising again to prove that you are God. So today, Jesus, with all humility, I accept you in my heart as my Lord and Savior. From now on, I'm deciding to follow you. You are my God and my Lord. From now on, I will serve you. And for the rest of the people here, Lord, Lord, majority of us, we know the gospel. We know you, Jesus. But please forgive us. Because unlike Paul, we don't do everything we can to spread your word. There are many people, our loved ones, who don't know you. Lord, sometimes we're so busy knowing you, your scripture, memorizing many things. And those are good things. But if we're not applying Christ-like love, if we're not proclaiming the good news, and there's no love flowing in our lives, it's useless. Forgive us, God. Please help us to be the men and women that you want us to be in your church so that people will know who you truly are. Thank you, Lord, for how you're going to use this community, the SNS family. Thank you for how you're going to use all of us for your honor and your glory. We love you and worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. We'd love to stay connected with you, so make sure to subscribe to our podcast or join an Elevate group through chatting with us. See you at our next podcast.